And welcome back to our afternoon show. You're with Nick and Lyle on our one and only afternoon show, <laughs> live <laughs> right here. And we've been having an amazing time as we have been uh, working through our program. And of course, we need to hear from you if you have an answer for our question for today. So let's do our maybe. For maybe the day. you should give him another clue after the question. All right, we'll give All you right. another clue. All right, here we go. Okay, here comes our question for the day. <clears throat> Strengthened by God-given food, mm-hmm. Elijah travelled for how many days and nights until he reached Horeb? Okay, so how many days and nights we are looking for? Please give us a call, 1-800-324-843, with an answer, and we will have a prize just for you. And because nobody's called in yet, maybe I'll give you an extra clue. Okay. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples over a period of... This many days. Uh-huh. So this many days pops up a few different times. I've got like uh, three, four, five different times here when this period of time pops up in the Bible. Here we go. 1-800-324-843. First caller will win a prize. Okay, so that's coming up. And, mm-hmm. of course, we are moving into our encounter with God. Yep. And, of course, uh, give us a call if you've got a question, anything that uh, we're talking about today. If you've got a question or you'd like to make a comment, share something. We would love to hear from you. We love you as our listeners and we love to be able to talk to you, particularly now that we can do it live. I know. And can they text us? Let's say people are shy. Okay, shy, somebody would like to text. Here's talk, our number. Yeah. 0491 Nice. So that's 0491 I'm glad there's a nine on the end of that. I was just going to say, <laughs> I was thinking really quiet about it. So glad it's a nine. It was like <laughs> six, six, nine. nine. Okay. <laughs> We're in good shape. <laughs> oh, okay, dear. we've been talking about um, stewardship we lately. Have. And in particular, well, okay, okay, all right, go, well, back, well, up, let's, back, let's, up, back up, back up. We, we, in case you missed what we were talking about, the word stewardship. Do we use that in the English language today? Is this a, a Christianese term? I don't know. Um, okay, maybe this is a trick question, Lyle. Yeah, I'm, just tell no, me I'm, I'm actually, stuffing I'm, up. Just I'm me. actually wondering because sometimes yeah. some of these things are Christianese, and the average person on <laughs> the street, Christianese, yeah, they're like, "What on earth are you talking about?" Good. All right, so okay. Um, can you say it in, in English, Australian English, or whatever uh, normal? The nearest I could come to technology. It, yep. The nearest translation I could come to it into modern English would mm-hmm. be management. Okay. So this is God-appointed management or management in which you are responsible to God. Would that, Sounds good. Does that sound reasonable? That's perfect. You spot on, man. Okay. Brilliant. I, I, I like it when I'm like perfect. It. <laughs> I'm usually perfect for about <laughs> one second a day. That's <laughs> not true. Come on. So we've been speaking about, in particular, tithing, giving back to yes, we have God. Um, so this is this is the thing you see, and especially with the whole talk about the Vatican, uh, sorry, the Roman Catholic Church and how they're using their funds to do what it matters to God, I guess, mm-hmm. what we do with our funds very much. But so. in particular, in the Bible, um, he tells us that he'd like to have some of that back. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. So I'm going to read the verse out to you. Okay. Here we go. This is the found in Leviticus. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter 27 and verse 30 should have been prepared. Mm-kay. Here it is. The Bible says this. One-tenth. How many? One-tenth. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Okay. So one-tenth of the produce of the land, mm-hmm. uh, whatever's being produced. But the whole thing belongs to God. Why, what, why is interested in one-tenth? 
All is well, his. Here's, what is here's, here's another question. Here's another yeah. question that, that immediately comes to my mind. Is mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 and honestly, that's pretty generous compared to um, how we get taxed these days, wouldn't you say? Yes. God, God, God asks for a whole lot less than God the government is does. taxing us. Is God taxing us? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> tax is something that you pay. Well, yeah, well, tithe what's one-tenth? Is, tithe is something you return. Um, There's a difference between paying something and returning something that belongs to somebody else. All right, now. So tithe, you know, 100% of what you have belongs yep. to God, all of it. Mm-hmm. And God says, okay, uh, can you return 10%? It's not bad. Mm, it's pretty good. But it talks about, you know, the produce of the land right there. So you know, It sure does. Yeah, that's a... Uh, Which really my my land doesn't produce a whole lot. Well, you you got herbs going on. I've got true that. Yeah, so you and could I've got pears on my pear tree at the moment, but remove a tenth of all of those and hand it over to um. And that's it. The my church. responsibility is done. Is done. But what if you produce other things like an income? Very good question. Hmm. Yeah, because if you go to Proverbs, the in Proverbs the Bible speaks about your increase. Honor God with the first fruits or the beginning, the first part of your increase. And your increase is anything that you get. So that's a much broader definition, really, isn't it? Yes, it does. It is actually. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So um, just this whole belonging thing. Yes. To God. Yeah. The the the, the one tenth. Mm-hmm. What does he do with it? Really good question. Because as we mentioned in the breakfast show, you can't get on a ladder and climb up to heaven and hand it to God in heaven, so you can use it there. No, you can't. You can't. Okay. So to understand what God's purpose here is, we need to understand. Um, how God instructed for it to be used in those days. That sounds the tenth good. was given to the Levites. And who were the Levites? The Levites were the ministers, the teachers, the pastors uh, who looked after the, nation, the spiritual needs of the nation of Israel. And basically what right. God was saying is this. I'm not giving your Levites any land. I'll give mm-hmm. him city, some, six different cities to live in, but I'm not giving you any land because I don't want you out living off the land, you know, agrarian society that they had in those days. Don't want you to do that. I want you to be full-time in ministering for me, taking care of the spiritual needs of the mm. nation. And so you think about this. Imagine living in a nation that's made up of, you know, you've got 12 tribes, and then you have this whole tribe that is set aside just for to take care of the spiritual needs of the nation. Imagine if, you know, say for instance, one in 13 uh, people here in Australia were set aside by the government to take care of the spiritual needs of the nation. Right. That would be a very, very different society to mm. live in. Because we don't, we don't think about spiritual needs. We think about, you know, mental needs and physical needs mm-hmm. and, and, and these kinds of things. And, the, and, and our government likes to, you know, to supply those kinds of things. Mm. Um, emotional needs. But here it's talking about spiritual needs. Right. And so that was their job, and that's why they received the tenth, so they could do that. It's pretty wise of God, isn't it? Very wise. We need people to do that full time, and we can look after them as well. Yeah, the whole spiritual dimension, you know, we, we, is yeah. a dimension that is so often ignored. Yeah. And no human being is complete mm-hmm. until they have a spiritual dimension. We've got a, uh, a caller coming in at this particular time, and we love to hear from our callers. And we have Neil on the line. Uh, Neil, welcome to the show. Hey, today. Guys, it's great to be hearing you. Yeah, fantastic. And we, uh, we, it's good to be hearing you too and being able to take our, our calls live. Neil, have you got a question that you'd like to ask? Well, yeah, I do. I was just um, interested in Elijah and Elijah's journeys and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, just sort of wondering why it was that, um, that he ran. 
into the into the desert so far? I mean, what was it that was really pushing him? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, great question. If you actually look at the story of Elijah, he was running for his life, which was a little bit of a strange thing to be doing, seeing as um, God had just the day before poured fire down from heaven um, on his altar. Well, that's to- what gets me. It's like, how could he go from being like a superstar one day and a, and a chicken the next? Exactly, exactly, and uh, my my question back to you, Neil, is uh, is, is is this um, because you're asking these questions about Elijah, but uh, we were asking a question about Elijah, and I'm wondering whether you might have the answer to our question. Oh, okay. So what, just, just remind me of the question again. Okay, okay. Let me grab the question here. This is the question of the day. The oh, is that the okay? Day. <laughs> I just have to answer anyway. Well, you could you, hey, at, at, at least take a stab in the dark. You know, if, take a guess if nothing else. Okay, so the question is this. Strengthened by God-given food, Elijah travelled this many days and nights until he reached Horeb. So oh, we would, you, would, you were just talking with us about why he was running. That many but days and nights is a bit of a clue, isn't it? That's a little bit of a clue and unfortunately... Did you give him the second clue? Like You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. Sorry about that, Neil. We got cut off there for a moment. Um, sticking to our time <laughs> schedule. Okay, so I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually catch your comment on there. You were uh, saying something about the. Uh... Well, I. I think it was. Um, was it 40, 40 minutes? No, I mean not forty minutes. Forty days and forty nights. Yes, it was, was indeed. It? We have a correct answer. Well done, Neil. Fantastic. Get me some of that food, though. That'd be awesome. Imagine going forty days and forty nights on a beach. Yeah, absolutely. So very quickly, um, we need to get back to our encounter, but very quickly, I'll share with you just a, a, a very a very quick thought on why it is that Elijah may have been running when he had very, very clear evidence from God that he had nobody to fear. So the day before, um, God pours down fire onto an altar that burns the sacrifice, it burns the wood, it burns the altar, it burns the stones, it burns the water that he poured on it. Very, very powerful miracle. Um and the entire nation of Israel, of course, turns to God. The, the, the prophets of Baal are destroyed. And Jezebel hears about it and says, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. And Elijah runs for his life. As you would. Well, no. Mm. Why would you? When you've seen God act like that. Uh, you forget very quickly, man, when someone <laughs> does that to you. Okay, so this over. is humanity right here. This there is our go. human nature. Mm-hmm. This is where our human nature comes in. And it often comes in and hits us the hardest when we've had a high with God. And so for you as our listener today, if you are having a high experience with God, that's great. Enjoy it. Uh, but beware because with every high experience, there is a low that comes afterwards. And that's when we need to hang on to God. Great having you on the phone, Neil. Um, if you've got a question, then you can give us a call. one 800 And now we've got a text we message. Will... While you're looking at the oh, text message, okay. Neil, we're going to be, because you were the first caller, we're going to be sending you a nice DVD, not DVD, a CD, a Carly Fletcher one. You're going to love it. It's one of my favorites. So that'll be coming to you shortly. Just stay online and uh, speak to our team there and they'll grab your details. We've got a text message that has just come through. Okay, so here's a text message. The text question says, so if I have if I have to give 10% to God, does that mean uh, does that mean to the church to Okay, so this is it's a little bit hard to read to Does that mean Okay, does that mean to the church, to charity, to someone in need? Is this a Levitical law that doesn't matter anymore or is it still relevant today? Ah, there are two questions here. And very good questions. Really good questions. So let's deal with the first one. Yeah. If you're going to give the 10th, 
it's return. Back. Okay, forget giving. Right, returning. you can't give something. Yeah, sorry, to you're right. It's, it's his. It's, he was right. You can't give right. something. So returning to to God does yeah. it mean it goes to charity or to church? Where does it go? Yeah, good where question. should it go? Yeah. Does it matter? Mm, it does matter. Mm. Okay. Okay. The Bible says this. Here's the Old Testament model. Yes. The Old Testament model was that it was to go to those who were ministering the Word of God. Right. So that's your, your, your Levites, your preachers, your yep. teachers, and so forth. That's the Old Testament model. The Old Testament model, it wasn't to charity or someone in need. Mm-hmm. There were other ways that God provided for those circumstances. And there were other gifts that God asked people to give for, for those kind of things. And so, right. no, it's not for charity or people in need. Mm-hmm. That is something else. This is for the ministry of the word. And if you go over to the New Testament model, and I'm going to turn over to Corinthians. Let me just see if I can find this very quickly. Uh, Because Paul addresses this same uh, concept over here. Uh, let me see if I can find. It's a good question, by mind yeah, you. While I'm looking for that, I'm going to tell you. Right uh, we come as as ministers. We face this question quite often, actually, mm-hmm. uh, because people have the right right attitude. They do do want to give back to God, but sometimes um, some. Um, Charities seem a little bit more, you know, like they're doing a lot more than others. And sometimes you feel that the church is not really doing much. You know, they've, they've, they've plateaued or whatever it is. We're not going anywhere and we're all just happy in this club. Let me let me give that money to where it's most needed. But the Bible does give us some direction about it. So, Lyle, have you got it? Yeah, First Corinthians chapter 9 and we will go down to verse 14 where it, Paul, talking about the issue of tithe, he says, So the Lord has ordained that those that preach the gospel should live off the gospel. There we go. And so uh, tithe is to be used for the ministry of the word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, other ways of dealing with it. Okay, second question. Is this a Levitical law that doesn't matter anymore or is it still relevant today? Good question. Mm. I mean, this was definitely set up for that for that for a time and a place mm-hmm. for a people um, to organize some sort of structures so these Levites could continue to do that work. But you know, the work has opened up, Lyle. It's mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. the ministers who minister to the, today. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have have different gifts, which is all technically part of a ministry, mm-hmm. uh, but they have full time jobs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe it was only for um, Old Testament times. It's a really good question. Okay, so here's a way of we can look at it from a biblical perspective. First of mm-hmm. all, um, we need to look at Jesus' attitude towards tithe, right? And find you know was this something that Jesus you know talked about coming to an end, or it was about to be finished up, or was it something that was that he took seriously and was to be continued on? Uh, we need to look at the New Testament attitude, you know, Paul's attitude towards tithe. And, and and other New Testament writers, and we also need to look previous to the time of Moses. Right. So if this is a Levitical law, it mm-hmm. would have originated with the time of Moses. Correct. Do you know how far back in the Bible you're going to have to go to find the origin of tithe? Close to the beginning? Maybe mm-hmm. the book of Leviticus? Not go further back. Further back? Further back. Um, surely not. Genesis. Genesis. How far back in Genesis do you think we should go? Look, uh, I'm guessing... I mean, surely this is this is not... You know, you can't be telling me this is you're going to find this anywhere in the in creation story, right? No, you don't find it in oh. creation story. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to gauge where I'm going to be at. Uh, tell us, where, where do we go? Genesis chapter 14. Okay. Now, that you will find is very, very far back in the Bible. So that predating the whole Levitical mosaic thing by a sure tremendous is. amount of time. And of course it is the story of um, it is the story of uh, Abraham that we have right there. 
And the Bible talks about how Abraham goes to Melchizedek, who was priest of the Most High God. Mm -hmm. So he was the high priest at this particular time. And Abraham returns his tithes to Melchizedek. Right. Now, the Bible doesn't say that this was something new. The Bible doesn't say that God came along and said, like, oh, okay, I want you to do da, 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 da. None of that. The Bible just says that this is what happened. Mm. Just yep. a, a statement of fact as if this yep. is what has always been taking place, mm-hmm. you know, right down through history. Mm, and so if you go, that, that's a long way back. And Genesis 14 is very, very early on in yes. the Bible. Um, hundreds and hundreds of years before the law of Moses. Yeah. Good call. And then we just read a moment ago Paul's attitude towards tithe. Mm-hmm. And in our breakfast show, we read about Jesus' attitudes towards tithe. Mm-hmm. Where Jesus says, you know, he complains to the Pharisees. In fact, maybe I'll read that one again. Let's do it again. Matthew chapter 23. Let's flick over here very quickly. Matthew. So why is it important? Why is it important to um you know, to look to reflect on what Jesus did in, in regards to tithe? Well, simply because it says, let this mind be in you that is also in me. So yeah. but do what I do. Hey, you can you can mess up your life a lot of different ways, Nick. <laughs> yes, you yeah. can never mess up your life by following the example of what Amen. Jesus did. Perfect, and what Jesus said. You Absolutely. just can't. It's impossible. Right. So where are you? Matthew twenty three twenty three. Perfect. What does it say? Yeah, you got that one for us there. I can... right. The Bible says this: What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do but do not neglect the more important things. Okay, so what does Jesus say? You should tithe, tithe yes. Yes, and absolutely. And if Jesus said that, and that was never rescinded anywhere in That's Scripture. Right. Yep, you won't find it in the New Testament anyway. You know, I think there's a really important reason for this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it comes down to... The one commandment that nobody ever confesses. I, I, I'm in ministry. I have people who confess all kinds of sins. Sure. I had someone tell me that they murdered somebody one mm-hmm. time. I've never had someone come say, you know what? I've got a real problem with covetousness. Hmm. And the greatest way to overcome covetousness is with generosity. And so God has actually given us a gift right here that we can express through generosity. We're going to listen to Fernando Ortega at this time. Sing to Jesus and we'll be back in just a moment. Faithfulness Pouring His light 
Jesus, Lord of our shame, Lord of our sinful hearts, He is our great Redeemer, sing to Jesus, honor His name. Listening to Fernando Ortega sing to Jesus here on Faith FM. We have been talking about the subject of honesty and the subject of tithe. Yes. You know, money is one of those things that people get sensitive about, isn't it? Sure is, brother. Yeah, and people are like, oh, the only reason religion it's exists what makes is the world goes around. And now, yeah, money. that's right. The whole prosperity. And we also learned that apparently it's religion that contributes a lot into the economy. No, we, we did too. I yeah. did know that. Yeah. Interesting fact. There it mm-hmm. is. So, hey, look, quite interesting. I think it is that um, even Jesus Christ himself tells us in the New Testament straight up, so pay your tithes. Yeah. It's not the only thing you do, but it is something you must do. You yeah. continue to do. Yeah. And because we trust him and we follow him, uh, therefore Christians uh, definitely need to be doing it. But you know what? While we're on the break, mm-hmm. just realize something that I think um, in, in some of the things that we've been studying lately, mm-hmm. it, um, it mentions or suggests here that tithe is not just a... A thing you do, but this act is actually holy, or the part of the process is holy. Have mm-hmm. you ever heard of that concept before? Well, actually, it goes back to what we were reading in Leviticus, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just going to go down a verse from where we were, and uh, two verses from where we were in Leviticus chapter, where were we? 27 and verse 32. It says, concerning the tithe of the herd of the flock, because it talked before about produce, mm-hmm. and now it's talking about cattle, and it's talking in the context of an agrarian society. Yes. Um, so an agricultural-based society yep. where um, you know their income, their currency was produce and, and, and animals. Correct. They're farmers. Yeah. Yep. Concerning the tithe or the tenth of the herd of the flock, even whatever passes under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. Here and it so is. the Bible says that the tenth of what God gives to us mm-hmm. is holy. Mm-hmm. 90% is like, yeah, that's carnal. You have it. It's um, entirely up to you. But uh, uh, the tenth of it is actually—it's holy. holy, and this word "holy" means to be set apart. It's mm-hmm. sacred. Yes, it is special, sanctified, sanctified, set Ooh, apart for a holy use. Hmm. You know, the word "sanctified" is an interesting word because um, the word "sanctified" when it reply, when it refers to a person is to make that person holy. Yeah, when it refers to a thing, it means to take that thing and set it apart for mm-hmm. a holy use. And this is what it's saying in relationship to tithe. Yeah, yeah. 
So just like the Sabbath, see, both tithe and oh, the Sabbath true. are both Sabbath sanctified. The, yeah, the Ten Commandments, it's a holy day. Mm-hmm. Set it apart from every other day. So it's tithing. Is tithing that big a deal? Well, this is why you get the link that you have in, in the book of Hebrews. Hmm. So just, you know, Hebrews chapter, chapter um, 3 and 4, um, Paul is talking about the subject of the Sabbath and how the yep. whole Sabbath is holy and it is set apart for a holy use and it is symbolic of the fact that we are holy and we are set apart to be holy. Yeah. And then he moves on from there. And if you go to Hebrews, let me go over Hebrews chapter 7 very quickly and we'll just look at um, how Paul continues on this thought of what it is that is set apart for a holy use okay. and for holiness. So and you're in course, Hebrews chapter holiness 7. Holiness is one of those things that, um, mm-hmm. you know, as Christians, we should aspire to. Absolutely. Uh, it's something we don't hear a lot about these days. You know, yeah. we, we talk more about grace than we do holiness. Mm. Because we like we love to live the way we want to live and just like, yeah, my name's written in heaven, I'm, off, I'm on my way. I'm going to live however I want. Mm. Uh, that's not what the Bible teaches. No, the Bible says we should live our lives like Jesus lived his life. Yeah. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 7, sure. and uh, starting in verse 1, the Bible says, um, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part or a tithe of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he brings up this issue to point out that, okay, he's been talking about the Sabbath a, a, a little bit previous to this. Now, and how the Sabbath is set apart as being holy to demonstrate that we are a holy people as a symbol of that. And now he comes on to the subject of tithe. Right. In exactly the same way as the Sabbath. It is set apart by God. It is holy. It is his. Um, and, uh, and, and he has given us this opportunity to return it to him. Yeah. So this one comes back to um, what I was saying before. Mm-hmm. We had the break which is an interesting kind of observation. Have you ever... You think about the Ten Commandments. Mm. You're in ministry, sure. Nick. Yep. I'm sure there's been times when people have told you about various sins they have committed. Yes. And you've probably had people tell you, you know, I've at times I've stolen something. Yes. Uh, Although, they're, you know, it's, it's usually one of the least that they talk about. But Yeah, <laughs> I had a friend of mine, uh, a fellow I was studying the Bible with, he gave his life to God and he's like, you know, I've stolen a few things in my life. I'm like... Well, Chocolates, start, start, start making a list. Start making a list. <laughs> Go make things right. Yeah. And uh, he had the most amazing time and testimonies because he actually did. He made a list of everything he'd stolen where he could and he went round to all those people and made restitution. No way. Like, and some of them remembered him. Like he'd stolen this BMX bike out of this lady's front yard mm-hmm. and she chased him down the street. He's riding <laughs> like that. Well, he went back and gave her like 350 bucks for it. Wow. And uh, he said, look, because um, he knocked on the door and she opened the door and she's like, I know you. You stole my bike. And he's like, yes, I've become a Christian. Um, and I've come to make it right. And here's the money for the bike. And she says, come on in. I want to hear everything you have to oh, say about really? it. Oh, really? And he spent the next three wow. hours just sharing his testimony. Huh, that's fantastic. Yeah, amazing. It's a great story. So if you've got any, any experiences like that, maybe that's something. Okay, but you've had somebody who's told you, I'm sure, um, that uh, they've stolen something. You've probably yeah, had yeah, s- yeah, yeah. Sure. I've told a lie. They've had something say yes, that. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. Um, Although we have lengthy discussions about you know little white lies and and whether it's a real lie or not. But anyway, yes, definitely. Yeah. We talk about that all the time. Uh, probably had people one of the favorite topics to having committed adultery. Fornication. Fortunately, yes, we do yeah. get a bit of that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, having worshipped other gods. Yes, uh-huh. we do get that. Having 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 used God's name inappropriately. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can go on down through this. Have you ever had anyone come to you and confess covetousness? No. 
I never have. No, can't say. 24 years of ministry, I've yep. never had somebody. Mm-hmm. And that tells me something. It tells me that this is a very subtle sin. Yeah. It tells me that it's one of those things that can creep up on us and we don't even know we're doing it's true. it. It's true. It's true. But who's keeping anyone accountable with this stuff? Really, yeah. it's so discreet. Yeah. Nobody needs to know. That's right. It just all takes place in your mind. Yeah. And, and, and here's where I think that tithe is such a blessing. This is a huge blessing because mm. when, when we have the opportunity to be generous and return to God, yeah. it enables us to, us to uh, in a very practical way, give back to God that which he considers to be holy. It's not ours in the first place. It's holy. It's his. And in doing so, mm. it enables us to overcome that feeling of, and that, and that sin of covetousness and yes. to keep that sin at bay mm-hmm. because that's one of those ones that can just creep up on you and you don't even, you don't even realize it and it can take over your whole life. And you, know, you see the results of somebody whose life has been taken over by covetousness. That's right. That's true. And the, the scary thing is we, we, it often starts with the really good justification. Doesn't oh, of course. Right. Fantastic reason for it. And yeah. yeah and, and eventually it becomes habit and then um, you've done so well without it in all these years. What's, what's the difference? Mm. And then you start to make excuses like, well, you know, I don't need to anyway because, you know, look at what's happening here and there and start pointing fingers at all the problems in the church and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, th- then eventually there's no need to return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I remember reading the story, uh, not reading the story, hearing a story from a friend of mine who was, um, it was a thorough crook mm. and he gave his life to God. Yeah. And uh, he shared this story with me and uh, and so he went into his accountant. He's, his, he's now an accountant. No, he went in to see oh, his accountant. I was say. <laughs> went in to see his <laughs> accountant, going to that accountant and he said, yeah. I want to make everything right. And his accountant was like, you are insane. Yeah, oh, wow. He'd ripped off the government. He'd ripped off every Boy. last person you could imagine. And his accountant was, you are insane. He's like, no. He says, I want you to sit down and I want you to go through the history of my life. I'm going to make every single thing right. And if I owe it, I'm just going to work until I pay it off. He told me that he walked out of that office Mm -hmm. walking on air. Because that wasn't the only thing he did while he was there. He's like, and from this point forward, 10% of my income... Uh, goes to God. Amen. That's and his account was God. just like mind blown. Well, it's true. The truth shall set you. Shall set you free. Amen. Okay, we're going to go to a break. Matt and Josie Minicus. Delight thyself. Also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring, and He
Hi, I'm Peter Watson. I'm sure, like me, at some time you have asked these questions. Does God exist? Is there anyone out there? And is God for real? As an atheist for years, my answer to those questions was no. But since then, I've had to reconsider the evidence. Evidence that points to a God of reason, science, love and hope. I'm inviting you to discover these answers for yourself in my exciting new series entitled Is God for Real? Beginning 7pm Friday, February 23 at the Walls End Seventh-day Adventist Church. Visit isgodforreal.com.au for more details. That's isgodforreal.com.au And today we're looking in a little further in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. And here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, we find the following verse. It says, And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This word submit is a really interesting word. It's at the heart of this is the idea that it's not my way, but it's actually your way or our way, if you like. Submission is something that's almost countercultural in today's world. In today's world, people are just thinking, well, hey, you know, what about my needs? What about what I want to have done? And unfortunately, though, that's not really the pathway to happiness. The pathway to greater happiness is to think of us and we and togetherness and inclusiveness. And so this idea of submitting to others is is carries with it the idea of authority, but also more than that, it's more than just authority. It also includes the submission of um, the things that I want just for myself. So the submissions of my desires to you, the giving over of those to my partner. And in that way, imagine if both couples did that equally and together. You would end up in this mutually satisfying relationship. It doesn't mean you, you know, there'd be no one to make decisions. Of course, you still need to get decisions made. But it's actually talking about the, the need to be right, the need to always have it your way. You could actually, in submitting to the other, in reverence for Christ, the scripture says, then that's the basis for great relationship right there, this idea of submission. And it goes on to say, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, which which carries with it the idea of um, that this is something that we do out of great respect, out of great love. And a little bit further, it says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church, which actually carries with it the idea that you would be doing that with a heart which is willing to lay down itself, that you would be willing to even die for your partner. Wow, what a thought that is. Just imagine if your partner knew, fellas, that you were willing to lay down your life for her. What difference might that make to the quality of your togetherness, to the quality of your relationship? And um, it's, it's a wonderful thing to actually think of it in that way. And the, the scripture goes on to actually say, well, the way you care for your own body, like no one wants to wreck their own body, although, hey, we do sometimes with the way we eat. Um, but here, you know, no one wants to wreck their own body. And so they take care of it. They, they wash themselves, they bath themselves, they comb their hair, they, they, they tend and care for it in the same way, only more so. We should be willing to care for the needs and wants of our partner. And yeah, that means caring for their needs. And those needs might be any range of different things. They might be emotional needs. They might be need for financials, finances and security and might be sexual needs that they have that, that you need to be part of integrating into their life to take care of those needs. 
Paul goes on and he says, So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Really interesting, the choice of words he uses there. Wish we had a lot more time to unpack, though the nuanced differences between love and respect. But at the heart of a great relationship is the idea that that would be taking place in the home. So, coaching question for you today. What's something that you could actually do today, tonight, that you would cause you to love your wife even more so that you would feel honored, treasured, and respected? And what's something, ladies, that you could do that would respect your man today so that he would feel a little taller, walk a little straighter, and be a little more proud and feel a little more manly? Whatever your answer to that is, know that at the heart of that is what God's ideal for your relationship is to be that for each other. Well, hey, you're on Faith FM. Stick around. We've got plenty more coming up right after this.
have been listening to Fernando Ortega here on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88 right across Australia. Positively different radio in the afternoon. Yes, I'm surprised you didn't say the one and only afternoon program. As you've yeah, been well, saying all yeah, afternoon. It's, just, uh, <laughs> it's the only day I get to say in the afternoon, so I thought I'm going so to true. say it once. Now we have a question that is coming from a listener, our question of the day. All right. The question of the day is this, Nick. What, for why, me? Yes, for oh, you. Come on. For you. This is a hard one, so I'm oh, going to give it to you. Boy. Here we go. Why is the Bible divided into two parts, Old Testament and New Testament? That's a good question. Hmm. I guess it's the way that it was canonized. Simple. Um, the Old Testament okay, we can, is pre- we can stop now and go and talk about something else. He's <laughs> yeah. answered the question. Hey, thank you. The problem is Nick, yeah. that nobody out there is going to know what on earth you are talking about when you say that is how it was canonized because people are thinking of big guns right now that go bang. Okay, well, we've got to explain a little bit more, obviously. Um, to, you might need to help me out because you probably have a lot more facts than I do, but let me tell you this simply, and then Lyle is going to explain and go a little bit deeper into it, I guess. So um, <laughs> the reason why we this have is, an Old and New Nick, Testament... This is Nick and Lyle <laughs> <laughs> playing a hot potato. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. The reason, <laughs> the reason why we have two Testaments in the Bible is because one is a uh, testimony, if you like, of uh, accounts that have happened, uh, stories, uh, real, obviously, not, not just made-up stories, actual records of events that have happened pre-Jesus Christ. And in the New Testament, we have, if you like, um, new information, uh, new light, whatever it, you want to call it, um, s- since um, Jesus Christ um, it came, came here on earth, and we have the testimony of, of his impact and influence on earth. Up until, um, well, in, well, we have all that information up until he comes back. That's the reason why we have two of them, but it probably is not the best answer. Lyle, help us out. Yeah. Why, why do you think we oh, have I'm just two start, separate? I'm just going to start by um, talking about canons. <laughs> Let's go to canon straight into it. Go for it. <laughs> okay, so canon can be spelt two different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, with one N, I think it means a big gun, and with two <laughs> Ns, it means a rule. So, oh, okay, right. Yeah, Good. So the, the, the rule is, this is the rule, this is where the scripture starts, this is where mm-hmm. it ends, it starts with Genesis, ends with Revelation. That's the rule, you can't go beyond it. Perfect. Can. Okay, so that answers that uh, portion of what we were talking about. Um, there's probably little that I can add except that um, God gives to humanity everything that they need to follow him. So and true. so, um, before the Bible was written, as in written on paper, mm-hmm. it was handed down verbally. You're right. dealing with um, people who lived before the flood, antediluvians we call them, mm-hmm. um, one step from perfection. You know, a photographic memory, it can be handed down perfectly from Adam to Methuselah to Shem mm-hmm. to Abraham to, to Jacob, sorry. Right. Adam, Methuselah, um, uh, sorry, what did I say? Adam, Methuselah, Shem, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. That's just four generations. You're not going to lose uh, much information in a handed out, handed down story over four generations when you've got human beings who are very close to perfection. Yep. Writing was invented because of human beings losing their ability to remember things. We write things mm-hmm. down because we can't remember. Okay, so then God comes along. They go into 400 years of captivity. The gospel is lost for the first time. God comes along and says, okay, we're going to write down everything we need. And so everything was written in your first five books Mm -hmm. uh, for God's people to be able to follow him. However, as um, circumstances changed and as needs changed, there was more and more that was added to the Bible, and the Bible grew and uh, until it was a complete book and it had everything in it we needed. Yep. And then Jesus came along. Mm-hmm. And you can't really have a Bible without having the story of Jesus. We have to add the story of Jesus. And, of course, 
there's some explanation about Jesus. Where does he fit in? How does he fit in? What does he do? And so that gets added in as well. Yeah. And so really it was the coming of what the, the Bible was complete. It was a complete book, everything we need. But then the coming of Jesus added opportunity and a necessity of adding more information, which is why we have the New Testament. Well, because in the Old Testament, you have references of this coming Messiah. So it would just make yes. perfect sense that we include all the things that are happening be- just before and... Over 300 there you go. references of the coming Messiah. There you go. In the Old there you go. So it'd make perfect sense to include that. But it's quite an interesting thing to look back and see how the Bible was canonized. But we'll probably do that for another time. Oh, but, yes. Um, yeah, very, very good topic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're going to go to... City of Light. Yes, by Grace. No, we're going to go Grace by City of Light. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put that in there wrong. So we'll have Don't go morning. anywhere. Faith of Him. We'll be back. Say hey. 
listening to uh, City, uh, City Light with the song Grace. We come to that part of the show where we get to give something away and always my favourite part of the show, Nick. Well, you, yes, you do love giving things away when we're back on. Yeah, that's because uh, it. Um, your mic's off. My, my mic is on. I'm live. Oh, happy yeah. days for you. Yeah. I, I, um, maybe I'll do all the talking here then. Okay, so... Um, we have a gift to give away. In fact, I have a gift to give away. Nick doesn't get to give this one away because his mic is dead. Mine is working just fine. Our gift for today is God's holy word. Is it still worth dying for? So a very relevant gift considering... The answer is the- yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's yelling across at us here. He says the answer is yes. And, of course, considering our question, we were just talking about a book that is obviously uh, a very old book. It goes back mm-hmm. three and a half thousand years in its history. Is it still worth dying for? Uh, this one is by Ellen White. It is an easy reading book. It is about... Uh, it's a thin book, maybe 126 pages. And, uh, yeah. A uh, couple of hours of reading. A couple of hours of reading. There's... Uh, let me see what is there is here. about... Uh, um, about nine chapters, nine simple chapters, and it takes through the history. Mm-hmm. It takes through the history of uh, of God's people, particularly during the Dark Ages, and how they stood for truth, and they stood for truth so firmly that they were simply not prepared to compromise in any way, shape, or form. So Fantastic give us a call. On I know this book has changed lives for a fact, yes. mind you. So give us a call. And sorry, what? 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. So once again, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Give us a call. Be the first caller through and you have a free gift coming your way right now. <laughs> 